Hi, this is Chris Myers. For more than three decades, I've covered some of the biggest events in sports and talked with some of the most fascinating personalities. But now I want to invite you to join me for my new podcast, CMI, the Chris Myers interview on Podcast One. Covered a lot of events, World Series, Red Sox, White Sox breaking through at their time. The Super Bowl as recently as Mahomes and the Chiefs coming back against the 49ers. I was there to grab Brady after he had that tremendous comeback against the Falcons in the Super Bowl and some tough times, the 89 Earthquake World series that rocked the bay bridge and first to talk to oj simpson live after both of his trials and on the air through the 1996 atlanta olympic bombings informing people as best we could at the time we'll go in depth on stories past present and future to the effect of the world of sports and everybody in and around it from current athletes hall of famers and some people you and i know hope you tune in to cmi the chris myers interview on apple podcast podcast one and spotify Hey, it is Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, among other NFL-related podcasts, the former NFL offensive lineman, and yes, we are going to have an NFL season. It is here, thankfully. So, if you want to bet on the games, it is the Even Money Podcast. If you just want to play Fantasy Football, Fantasy Feast Podcast, or every day your NFL fix, the aforementioned Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Shop local with Visa to help support your community because where you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner shops, our coffee spots, our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going the extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week game pass has been a fantastic tool for us at pff for years and actually you'll be able to hear the uh, the little montage that we play this show out with on the back end game pass was a big part of that i was trawling game pass for the best sounds the best sound bites of the week including all the home team and the away teams radio calls so you can get some pretty awesome calls by listening to the radio crew in addition to the broadcast version. So it's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL game pass where football never stops. I mean, what's that football book is doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the games, fam. So Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF Podcast. Mike Renner again, Sam Monson, Steve, assures us we'll be back on Monday. But until then, 
you and me, Mike, and this time we get to preview a week of football. Football is still back. We get to do it all again in week two. Most of you, I think, will be listening to this after Thursday Night Football. Um, we're recording Thursday so, morning. So laugh at us. Yeah, laugh at our takes. Here. Right. Um, <laughs> but we'll cover it anyway, see how close we got. So let's start up there and do it, do it pretty quickly, Mike. What do you think is going to go down tonight? I think the Browns' offense will look better. It has to, right? It can't look worse. Right. So, yeah, I think it'll look better. Um, but I also think Cincinnati's offense will look better. I, I think yeah. they'll have more time for Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously, going from you know, that that Chargers pass rush to pretty much anyone else in the league is going to be a little bit easier for that offensive line. The one I want to watch, though, Jonah Williams against Miles Garrett. He was the Ooh. one guy who actually held up fairly well for the Bengals offensive line. Got beat a couple times on inside moves there. But that's the one. If he can win that matchup, I think then they match up well enough across the board. We can give Joe Burrow some time to throw there. What do you make of the whole Baker Mayfield thing at this point? Because... It's it's tough, right? Because the I think the Bengals are maybe the worst team in the entire NFL to try and like right all the wrongs from last year in one game, you know. Mm-hmm. Particularly with no real offseason, you know, truncated practice, all this kind of stuff. So I, I don't want to say you can throw it out because it's still significant, right? The guy didn't look good. Uh-huh. But I, I don't think you're gonna learn I don't think you're gonna learn whether they're gonna on the right track or not against the Ravens. You might against the Bengals. Yeah, his complete just like Baker's inability to take what's there. He, he just always wants to go. It just seems like he always either wants to go to Odell, Odell or go downfield. Yeah. Like he's not willing to play within the structure of the offense and saying, hey, oh, they're dropping deep zone. Let me just get that six yards right away that, you know, Daniel Jones does that extremely well. That's what the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, it, they're going to take what's given to you every single time. Baker's not been doing that. And I think that's why, you know, his completion percentage sucks yards for attempts sucks like all that stuff is way down because you just inability the inability to get to that the thing that scares me the most is that running away from a clean pocket thing because that to me i i don't like we talked about this last time i can't think of too many times where a guy has developed that problem it's become severe and then they fixed it like i've seen that break a lot of quarterbacks but Mm -hmm. i can't think of too many where they've put it all back together after that's been a problem and everything's been good again it's weird because that was the thing we highlighted out of Oklahoma. Yeah. Probably his biggest weakness was that great Oklahoma offensive line, you know, Orlando Brown passed checking for him, and he would still mm. break clean pockets. Didn't happen year one. Now, they had a very good offensive line year one, uh, but then year two showed up again, you know, running right out of pretty much every pocket, and then last week, same, same, same shit. So uh, it is a problem that I don't know how he fixed it year one and then regressed, but it has to go away. Because that's, that's not a bad offensive line now. No. Like, it's it, not at all. Like at Oklahoma, it was a problem, but it was such a small one. Like it was when we were trying to find issues with his game, right? Yeah. You were sort of nitpicking. You're like, well, if you're going to criticize anything, every now and again he runs away from a clean pocket that he should, you know? And at the next level, that could become a bigger problem. But it wasn't like a huge issue. It was just, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it happens. It's It feels like it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers. You know, he has this tendency that he'll eat, the ball take a sack when he shouldn't he should get rid of it you know whatever he'll make some of those negative plays and it's always like a trait in mm-hmm. him and then when he gets stuck in a rut it becomes like a bigger problem yeah, yeah. that feels like what this is to baker that's his sort of negative tendency like he'll always mm-hmm. do that awesome. every now and again but when he's in a rut it skews heavy into it and it just drags everything down with it yeah i like that comparison and i do think that like you said, it's it's a rut because we've we've seen it not happen. You know, we've seen it not happen in the NFL. Right. So I think there's a he can get back there, but I don't know what's gonna like if a new offense isn't gonna fix it at this point. I'm not sure what will. 
All right, let's dive into the actual slate of games. Usually we, we oh, do... I'm picking Cincy. Oh, yeah, good call. <laughs> picks. Cincy, I, God, I'm, I, don't, I hate it. I hate the pick, but I'm going to pick the Browns anyway, right? I think this feels like it could be one of those classic overreaction week one games, right? The Browns get waxed by the Ravens. A lot of teams are going to get wrecked by the Ravens. But I still fundamentally believe that the things they've done to try and fix last year... Mm-hmm should work like Stefanski's system has a proven track record Baker Mayfield has a proven track record before last year you know Odell Beckham has a proven track record albeit it's getting further in the rearview mirror but there's still there's just too much damn talent to fail all the time so I'm expecting some kind of bounce back um all right the other let's get into the games usually we we pick sort of three games of the week three of the, the better matchups and dive a little bit deeper into those and then rapid fire through the rest of the league I didn't actually organize them that way because apparently I forgot about that. But what? take a look at the schedule there, Mike, and pick your favorite game. What are we going to talk about first? I think Denver-Pittsburgh is a right. very interesting game. Going Let's do it. Because Denver hyped, hyped, hyped coming into the season, fell flat week one. I think Pittsburgh, again, another team, hype, hype, hype coming into the season, lit it on fire week one. Very good start. Yeah. But the teams they played, Tennessee was in the SEC championship game last year. Giants were one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like that was how it's supposed to go. So, you know, going blow for blow with a team in the AC championship last year is no, uh, you know, no slouch. Like that's not, that's not a bad thing to lose that game if you're the Denver Broncos. But can they look the same against Pittsburgh Steelers team uh, that, you know, electric defense one of the like the way well, the blitzes they were thrown at the yeah. Giants offensive line and the hits they had on Saquon Barkley in the backfield the head OC's head was spinning they had, he had no clue what to do with that defensive line that's going to be interesting to see here with Drew Locke can he hold up behind you know an all right offensive line they have there in Denver I don't think it's a liability by any means like you can perform behind it but against this defensive front I'm not sure you're going to be able to have much time and he didn't look great against Tennessee like yeah. he, obviously it would have been better if Jerry Judy caught a few balls but <laughs> Uh, he did not look, you know, he didn't look like next step Drew Locke. A lot of the same things in terms of falling off throws, drifting in pockets, that sort of thing that we saw last year weren't cleaned up. So can he do it against a good defense? Remains to be seen, but he'll have Cortland Sutton this week. That's huge as yeah. well. Because I think I, that was such a frustrating debut from Jerry Judy because you saw immediately that everything he did at the college level still functions yeah. at the NFL level. Like the quickness, his ability to stop on a dime, the route running, the nuance, all of it is—it just translates exactly the same way as it did. And then you just drop the gun, you just kept yep. putting the ball on the ground. Like you, know, you got to do the the easy part at the end of it to to take advantage of the fact that you're wide the hell open. But I still really like the theory, right, that he will get college open at the NFL level, which can only help Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. But you then add Cortland Sutton, who can get you know win contested catches, who can be a little bit more physical and more dynamic down the field than, than Judy in terms of one-on-one on the outside. Now you've got like all kinds of options for Drew Locke. And Locke is really interesting this season. I, Denver fans were all kinds of mad at me because my QB rankings, I put him 32, right? And it's like, look, Haskins was a better prospect coming out. And I don't think you've seen anything from the two guys in limited sample size year one to say that you should flip the order, right? I know, I know Bronco fans think you should because mm-hmm. they saw it, but so much of that was just like he wasn't, you know, Joe Flacco or Brandon Allen. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah, yeah. a glimmer of hope looks a lot bigger when you've, you've left with this. Yeah, you, well, you go from, you had a new quarterback every year, right. year and they drafted Paxton Lynch in the first round. Exactly. He's going to look great. When you've just had this nothing but like dark misery, you suddenly get a glimmer of light and it looks like, a, you know, it looks like an oncoming freight train. So 
I, I think he can. I like his potential. I kind of liked him as a prospect, but there's a lot of work to do. The thing that's really intriguing to me with this game is, is that Pittsburgh defense, though. Just how insanely aggressive they were coming after Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. I mean, they were, like, throwing all the blitz at them, regardless of whether it was run or pass. Like, it didn't matter. They were coming after you with more guys than you were going to be able to block and in from weird places, and you just had to deal with it. And the Giants couldn't. You know, the, the run game, they were hit on average, like, one and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage, yeah. which is just nuts. The pass game, they couldn't deal with it either. I was sort of high on this defense coming into this season because, you know, again, no preseason – uh, weird training camp, a lot of virtual installs. If you were trying to put anything new in, you were behind the eight ball, right? And the Steelers defense, zero turnover. Like literally the only change yes. in this defense is Javon Hargrave left, but even he's been replaced by Stephon Tuitt, who was coming back and was already there. Um, their top draft pick, if you like, was in the building since like week five or whatever it was last year, Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. So like every potential change or adjustment to this defense happened nine months ago so they have had everybody on the same page for like the better part of a year there's no time to get up to speed to make sure everyone's communicating well and that's not even factoring in like the growth of guys like devin bush who get better you know year two in the system this just had on paper the makings of a defense that would be like scary right out of the gate you know at least for like the first month until everyone else gets gets mm -hmm. together and certainly through like week one they were they blitzed over 60% of the time. Yeah. 60% of the time against Daniel Jones. So that that's to me, is the matchup of the game. Drew Locke getting get the ball out of his hands quickly against Blitz because I, I think that's just seems like the Steelers have identified the fact that, hey, a lot of teams aren't going to be in sync. We're going to attack instead yeah. of sit back and play coverage. Sort of I thing. think they probably looked at what the Ravens did last year as well and saw mm -hmm. this is the most Blitz-happy team in football, and that defense yeah. was really good. We have guys we like on the back end. If we think we can hold up, let's send the house because it causes more problems for the opposition than it does for you yeah so yeah i'm all for that um i'm i'm fascinated to see like you said can drew lock bounce back court on sudden jerry judy again i want to see what he does if he can actually catch the damn ball uh, i think this is a sneaky good matchup this is a huge line seven and a half for the steelers that's wild yeah. I don't know that it deserves to be that big. I thought that was very big for the line, especially with the Steelers' offensive line. Pretty much a lot of those guys banged up. Yeah. Uh, not going to be you know, completely healthy, even though Denver without Von Miller, not near the teeth as the defensive line. But I'm going to take Pittsburgh, but I think seven and a half, I, I would, I'm rolling with the Denver Broncos on that all day long. Here's a question for you. How come, like, 10 years into his career, Marquise Pouncey still can't snap a football? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you want me to actually answer? I have no clue. Like, I'm a fucking center in the NFL. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested is all I'm saying. You know, we, we graded him badly last year, and a huge amount of that was the guy just dribbling balls along the ground as a center. And then right out of the gate, week one, he's doing the same thing. It's just, I mean, it's, it's literally like step one. Can you snap the ball? Yeah. And he's still, that's the thing that he struggles with the most. It's just, it's bizarre to me. All right, where are we going next? What's the next game we want to talk about? Oof. The next game I want to talk about, Detroit Green Bay, obviously. Yeah. Shop local with Visa to help support your community because where you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Now, more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. 
Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our community because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your local community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. All right, I like this game too. What do you got? The big thing here is Jeffrey Okuda, Desmond Trufant. Both have hamstring injuries. Both very questionable to play on Sunday. Those guys are out. Just pack it in. Like, I don't see how you're going to stop Green Bay <laughs> with, with your top two cornerbacks out. Those guys play. I think we're talking about a real matchup here. And I think it's going to be a very close game. Similar, I mean, similar to what Detroit played last week. And, and the minus six is too much, I think, if both those guys play that Green Bay is favored by. So that's to me, is going to be interesting. And then the other two question marks are Kenny Galladay is injured and Kenny Clark is as well. If they need Galladay to play, in my opinion, in that matchup. Because if they're just sending out, you know, Quintus Cephas and Marvin Jones, I think Green Bay secondary is too good to, you know, for those guys to keep consistently be winning. We both kind of flagged the same thing, which is, um, you know, ultimately Aaron Rodgers looked absolutely incredible week one. I think mm. that's the highest single game grade. Is it his second, second highest of his career? But the highest since like 2010 or something. Nuts. I was actually at the last game. It was 2010 against Dallas. Nice. Great there you go. So that's like, that's literally as good as we've ever seen Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, a huge amount of coming out of week one was, well, that's the Vikings. They couldn't get any pressure. And everybody in the secondary was like 12 years old. So they had no shot, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's kind of true to a degree, right? The, the secondary is weak. They didn't get any pressure, but it's still. A Mike Zimmer coach defense and when you look at what they were doing they like tried to counter what Rodgers was doing and, and attacked and adjusted and every time they did Rodgers just went oh you're gonna move this guy over here to open up this all right I'll just hit that and just it was instant right he no thinking he just countered what they were doing to try and take him away I, I mean honestly I think Rodgers was unplayable in that game you couldn't defend him but that raises the question of how much of that was because the Vikings defense is just bad now and this is what we're going to look like this year and how much of it if you give him a, a decent defense to go against is he going to be able to do it again and even just in isolation is he going to be able to do it again because that was mm -hmm. a level that's just absolutely absurd so that to me is the thing to watch in this game like if Rodgers is back to that guy that 2011 MVP I think people forget that Rodgers at that time was being talked about the way people talk about Patrick Mahomes now, right? Yeah. That this guy is unbelievable. We've never seen anybody do this kind of stuff. You know, we're used to a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, he'll just stand in the pocket and deliver the ball where it needs mm -hmm. to go. And they're amazing cerebrally, but they don't have the ability that Rodgers has to just like dance around and then, you know, move out and flick the ball 50 yards and just lay it on a rope. Like, he was being talked about as the greatest quarterback talent the game has ever seen. Then he went off the boil and Patrick Mahomes comes along and now people almost forget that that guy existed. Mm -hmm. This this was evidence and not only does he exist, but apparently it's still there. And to me, if you're to, to counteract that, you either need, it's, I actually think you need a better, pass, a good pass rush. Secondary, yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to play that quickly every single game. Like 2.25 seconds yeah, time to throw was the second fastest of his entire career also. Like he was getting the ball quickly and getting where it needs to be. That's not going to be uh, him every single week. So you need a pass rush, but that's the thing that even if Detroit Lions secondary is healthy, they don't have a pass rush that can beat this Green Bay right. offensive line. And, and the guy, their best pass rusher, Trey Flowers, is going up against David Bakhtiari every snap. Like, he, yes. he lines up on the right side. Will sometimes cut, kick over to the other side, but pretty much has been exclusively on the right side for them. You're not getting blindside pressure on Aaron Rodgers against Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, unfortunately. So, 
I, I don't foresee the Lions was pre- Rodgers under pressure six snaps last yeah, week. Six. I don't foresee that changing this week. And that if that's if you can't get pressure on Rodgers, he's going to tear you up. Again. This is another one. I, I was saying it uh, for the the Texans last week that if you have a Trey Flowers, don't waste him against what is clearly like a, a matchup he's going to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. You can go. You got two options. Either you can go one on one with David Bakhtiari all game and get like a one hurry. Right. Or you can take a guy that's moved all over the defensive line throughout his career and actually try and find a weak link and get him some joy uh, through a, a favorable matchup. Like yeah. the Texans did that in week one. They had J.J. Watt, who I think can probably beat up on four out of the five members of the Chiefs offensive line. And instead, they had him go one-on-one with the one guy that he can't for basically the entire yeah, game. Sure. And he got shut down. Why would, you, why would you do that? You're, just, you're wasting your biggest mismatch on the defensive line by matching him up strength on strength. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me like a bad way of doing things. Well, I said that in the Rams game. I was like, just put Aaron Donald against Terrence Steele. Anywhere. Steel. Right. Against Terrence Steele. Like, Steele has no clue what he's doing right now. Yeah. I, get, I get that it's an edge, but, like, he'll Aaron Donald's one rep, reps off the edge before. I think yeah. he could just go to town on him. So, yeah, I agree. Like, with the way this Lions defensive line is built, they have to get Trey Flowers away from David Boxyari for them to have any sort of pass rush. I don't know that – I don't know if, if teams have sort of looked at this enough, but every time we, we look at it, when you put, you know, elite – pass rusher against elite pass blocker the pass blocker wins Usually. like the immovable force yeah. stops the irresistible force when it comes to that one-on-one matchup i think nfl defensive coordinators kind of think well we'll put our best guy against their best guy and he'll win yeah. you know he'll win some of the time and win enough for it to still be a good idea and I, I don't. It doesn't usually happen that way. Yeah, it should. It's like in baseball. Like you walk Barry Bonds when there's two guys on. You you don't you don't if you're right. the don't pitcher, give you him don't, the chance. You don't go right at him. Yeah. Be saying, oh my 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 pitcher's going to win more than half right. the time because that's you know that's how it works. No, you you walk Barry Bonds because you'd rather go up against the shitty guy behind him. Right. So you'd rather go up against the shitty offensive line on the other side. So I think Detroit needs to do that with Trey Flowers. Like he's yeah. clearly their best guy, and he has a history of moving around. Don't line up. Don't like let him get erased from the game. By David Bakhtiari. Yeah, I, I, but, I mean, having having seen how flexible the Detroit Lions defense has been in terms of schematically in recent years. I don't anticipate it happening. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it should. Also, like, when Trey Flowers was in New England, like, New England was the team that was moving him around. So, like, it's not like it's a complete departure from, you know, that that system. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be changing everything to do that. It would just be going back to something they've done or the Patriots have done with Trey Flowers in the past with that coaching tree. So it's not nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't see it happening. Uh, this, this is Green Bay minus six. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely taking the Packers to win. I could see the Lions keeping it close enough, but it wouldn't also shock me if, if Green Bay covered that. Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay to win and holding out on the injury reports yeah. for Akuda and Trufant. They Smart. don't play minus sixes right. too low. Yeah. They play – I think Detroit. Good call. All right, what's our third game? Third uh, game New England detail. Seattle is an interesting one. All right, on Sunday I like that. football. Sunday night football. Yeah, I like that game. Yeah, um, because New England's offense is just they they went against the Dolphins. Dolphins yes. are not a good defense. Yeah. They could have beaten them whatever the hell they probably threw out there, and they threw out a, an extremely run heavy using Cam Newton as kind of a battering ram, extra you know getting that extra blocker because your quarterback's your runner at that point. Uh, to go power run game. I think that can work against Seattle also, even though they got good linebackers um, and even though they have you know a zillion linebackers, I think that defensive line can be moved. I don't think it's a great defensive line, uh, especially at the edge. And you know, they 
throw those doubles uh, on power, run off the edge against those guys. I, I think you'll see that a good deal in this game. I think you'll see the same game plan. And I'm not so sure that Seattle's you know built to stop it. But then again, like a run-heavy attack is a low low floor or low ceiling, excuse me, sort right. of attack in the NFL today. This game's kind of fascinating to me because it's the opposite of what it normally is. Mm-hmm. Like the Patriots are normally the pass-happy attack under Tom Brady and death by a thousand paper cuts with the quick passing game. And the Seattle Seahawks obviously want to establish the run at the cost of all else. Week one was like the complete opposite. The Patriots had this Cam Newton heavy run system, mm-hmm. didn't want to put the ball in the air because they don't have any receivers. And the Seahawks finally let Russ cook and aired it out. And even like their explanation was like, we wanted to establish the run. It's just that Russ was completing every pass. So why, why take it out of his hands? Um, that, and that was the crazy thing. It was like, even yeah, like afterwards, the takeaway was said, you should have run more. Said, we're, we're going to run more in the future. Right. It's like, you just saw <laughs> what happened if you let Russell like just put the ball in his hands and say, go win us the game. Yeah. And he you know annihilated the Falcons defense. And your takeaway is, like, let's get the ball yeah, out of his hands. Like the reason everybody has been giving you to do that, right? Like let him cook because he's so good. Look what will happen. Mm-hmm. They were using that as like an excuse for why they – they were like apologizing for why they hadn't established the run. We're like, look, sorry, we want to establish the run, but God, we just couldn't take the ball out of his hands. He was, he was on fire. Yeah. We're like, yeah, that's, that's the point. Like, that's why that uh, should be your game plan because he's, he's that good. Yeah. Belichick's coming out this week and saying, look, I think Wilson's underrated. He's the best player at his position in the NFL. He might not be nuts. Like again, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. But I think there's a stretch of time, you know, two years plus week one or whatever, where Russell Wilson is the number one graded quarterback in the NFL. Like, he is playing at that level. He's just not given, barring week one, yeah. they don't give him the opportunity to do it. No, I agree that there, you can't say, because if you're switch Patrick Mahomes and right. Russell Wilson situation-wise, if they were to have, you know, equal sort of numbers, like if Russell, you you can't tell me that Wilson wouldn't, I don't know how the fuck I'm trying to say this, but uh, like Wilson would probably put up similar numbers to Mahomes yeah. in that Chiefs scheme because right. he's been that accurate, that you know has that much playmaking ability, but just hasn't been given that I think, opportunity. Yeah, if you switch them over, the they would immediately be seen as a lot closer together. Yes, like okay. people would. That's that's it. Would be a conversation <laughs> about which guy is better, as opposed to everyone now. I think saying that Mahomes is the number one, yeah. and then yeah, but Wilson's pretty good too. I think if you if you did switch the situations. That I think would immediately be like a one one a or a yeah. you know which it would be a Manning Brady debate again like mm-hmm. which guy is better there's there's supporters on either side I agree a hundred percent with that and I'm fascinated because of that reaction to Week One what the Seahawks do like was that a head fake were they saying hey actually we're going to go back to the run but really they're going to let Russ keep going or did they genuinely just like lose the run of themselves and be like dude's completing every pass let's let him go for a while and then never went back but week two it's going to be like eight straight runs up the gut to open the game yeah i, I will say though i mean personnel wise it made sense to attack Atlanta's secondary yeah personnel wise it doesn't make as much sense to attack new england secondary true again and again yeah uh the interesting thing to me is that new england last week yes they won whatever handily against the dolphins their pass rush looked bad eight pressures on Ryan Fitzpatrick all day long against what wow, we were calling the worst offensive line yeah. in the NFL heading into the season. That's worrisome because, I mean, if you give Russell all day, he's shown over the course of his career, he's just going to torture you. So 
that's the one matchup to me where if, if they don't turn it around and they don't they can't beat the Seattle offensive line on some one-on-one matchups, I think they're going to have a tough time. Like They're not going to be the same defense they were last year. If that's This is the thing. This Patriots team roster has holes, and they're in pretty important areas now. Like mm-hmm. They don't have a good pass rush at all yet. Um, they don't have receivers still. Like That's mm-hmm. a huge problem. And you throw on the tape, we've won. It was the same story as last year. Edelman can win. He's the only one that can. I mean, if yeah. you look... It, did you like watch the sort of targets for Nikhil Harry? Like they have yeah. to scheme that guy open to just get a contested target. Like they're moving around the line. They're yeah, getting him free releases off the line. There's like one slant and the guy's like draped all over him as he's trying to catch it. Like, you know, I think he had one hitch or something that got like a, a yard or a bit of separation, but that guy is not going to win with separation. He needs help to get the ball. I'm not saying he's useless, but mm-hmm. he can win contested catches and he can make some noise after the catch. But that's, you're, uh, I mean, you Cam have Newton to work. Be used to that, though. That's like Cam Newton's. Bag. It is, yeah. And that's like, he's young and he's he's got some talent, but like you need to help him yeah. even get the ball in his hands before he can do you any good. Like, and then you've got Element, but nobody else. Like mm-hmm. when the the rumors started swirling about Allen Robinson wanting a trade. I don't Ever. know if they were or not, but the Patriots should have been on the phone like immediately yeah. figuring out what that would take to make happen because like Robinson can win and Robinson has never had a quarterback as good as Cam Newton mm-hmm. dating back to like high school. That would be like a perfect match. But this is also why they went ridiculously run heavy is because they I, I think Bill Belichick as well as anyone understands strengths and weaknesses of this roster. Like he's not gonna lie to himself and say, Oh, we can still run a good passing game with these terrible receivers, yeah. you're not going to be able to. So they're going to go super run heavy. And they are the ultimate coverage versus pass rush and you know front seven debate this year with just one of the worst front sevens in the NFL, but one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So uh, it's just going to be interesting to see. I I think that this one will be close. Like I, I think it will be close and somewhat lower scoring than the Seattle's matchup last week. But I think I'm going to go New England in this one. Okay. I'm leaning. I, I'm going to pick the Seahawks I think there's I'm scared about that New England team I think it was a sort of feel-good story week one that hey Cam Newton's back you know Newton is the the Patriots Bill Belichick gets off to a winning start without Tom Brady they went with this run heavy offense they played two Cam Newton strengths so everything's going to be business as usual for New England but it kind of masks those problems we were talking about the no receivers the lack of pass rush you know if you change Miami for an actual good team Mm -hmm. I'd don't know that that's going to hold up nearly as well. I just think that New England matches up well in terms of J.C. Jackson. That's a huge and part. Stephon yeah. Gilmore against Lockett and Metcalf. Yep. The Falcons did. The Falcons had no one could right. stay with those guys down the field. I think the Patriots do. I'm by, like I'm with you that I think this could be a, quite a low-scoring game. I mm-hmm. think both defenses actually match up reasonably well with the opposition offense and could sort of limit the scoring because of that. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. Game Pass has been a fantastic tool for us at PFF for years, and actually you'll be able to hear the, uh, the little montage that we play this show out with on the back end, Game Pass was a big part of that. I was trawling Game Pass for the best sounds, the best sound bites of the week, including all the home team and the away team's radio calls. So you can get some pretty awesome calls by listening to the radio crew in addition to 
the broadcast version. So it's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Um, all right, let's go through the rest of the slate and give, let, give some reason to watch each game. Jacksonville, Tennessee. This is the biggest spread of the week, I think. Nine points. This is not an overreaction spread then for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, Jacksonville coming off a win. Mm-hmm. Tennessee uh, not looking nearly as dominant as they did uh, the last time we, we saw them in the postseason, and yet the line is still nine. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, that's not a lot of respect for Minshew. And Zero. he thrives in the, yes. in the no-respect situations. But, I, I mean, I, I still think Tennessee is the far, far more complete team. Uh, and I think they're going to have a lot better success offensively. Although Corey Davis injured this week oh. might not be there. So that's, that's about as Corey Davis a thing as you can get one game. He has a you know, breakout game and he's on the injury report the next week. But no, I do think that this Jacksonville team is just, excuse me, this Tennessee team is just, it's a very complete team. And I think you'll see there against a non Vic Fangio coach defense have a little more success. Do you think that Denver um, sort of showed a bit of a blueprint in terms of how to defend Derrick Henry, right? Because part of the issue last year, I think, is once he gets this head of steam going, it's game over, right? Mm-hmm. If he's coming at you at full pace, the dude's 250 pounds and has a good stiff yeah, on him. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. really hard to stop him. But if you get him running laterally, like, it's the same problem. It's like that Trent Richardson was always this, right? Once you got him moving sideways, he'll make like four guys miss. We won't actually go forwards in, in, yeah. in the process. Derrick Henry is, is different. Like, he just tries to get around the outside and keeps st- stiff-arming guys. But the same thing works, right? He just keeps going laterally and never gets, mm-hmm. never gets upfield as much. It seemed like you know, there was a stat that came out with that um, NGS, uh, rushing yards over Creative. expectation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And last year, he led the NFL in terms of a yards per carry ba- version of this. But this was – he was like minus 38 yards or something. It was one of the worst performances they've seen on a single game basis in terms of under expectation. I, from watching it anecdotally, it felt like they were, Denver were really good at spilling him out towards the sideline. Yeah. And Jacksonville, like they, I thought that was going to be the matchup of the game is that the Indianapolis Colts last week were just going to roll on the ground. They did not, they did not come close to rolling on the ground. Jonathan Taylor went nine carries, 22 yards. So I do think that that's, if it's going to, if they're going to cover, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be just what you said there. They're going to have to have that same run defense uh, that they, that we saw from them last week. And it's funny because like Henry's statistics were actually were, were not like dissimilar except the overall yardage, right? Like he averaged more than two yards per carry after contact. He broke seven tackles, but there's those are very different if he's coming up the middle than if he's going towards the yeah. sideline and never never turning the corner and getting upfield. So consequently, like his run grade was way worse because he wasn't going anywhere. I'm I'm really intrigued to see if. Jacksonville sort of copies some of those elements from Denver's defense and tries to do a number on Henry because, like, ultimately, I think the way to win against Tennessee is still going to be like forcing Ryan Tannehill to repeat what he did last year because I don't know that that's going to happen. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to happen. The matchup I want to see, though, is CJ Henderson, ridiculously good debut. Yeah. AJ Brown. That's, they never got to face off in the SEC, they never played against each other in college. We finally get to see it. I just want to see, and especially if Corey Davis is out, I would, I'd be interested to see if they let CJ Henderson track a little bit. That'd be mm-hmm. fun to watch because they played a lot of man coverage last week. Jack two there. tracking right out of the gate. Give it to him. Um, AJ Brown was fairly a- uh, anonymous in the first game. Like he it all went to Corey Davis, and AJ Brown 
He had that game-winning drive, though, was like him. Sure, yeah. Also, yeah. So. But it took him a long time to get yeah. to start feeding him the football, which is interesting. Yeah. All right, uh, next game, Carolina at Tampa Bay. Another big line. Tampa. It's the same. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay, nine points again. Uh, again, not a not an overreaction to week one. Yeah, this one's a – if the Brady does not get back on track against, against this four starting rookies right. on defense and, like, six guys who end up seeing time defensively that are rookies for Carolina, it might not happen for a while because this, this is probably – might be the worst defense in the NFL – Secondary is just very young and very just, just not good at the moment. So I do think that, like I said, I think Tampa Bay rolls them. But if they don't, we got we got some big problems. Chris yeah. Godwin might not play though. Also, he's hurt. it's he's funny. I, I think the sort of this is one of those the reports of Brady's demise. I think are a little bit overblown coming out of Week One. I, I know they lost the game and he had the two interceptions, mm-hmm. um, but overall his performance it wasn't bad. Like yeah. he made a lot of big throws down the field. Um, his accuracy on those was pretty sick. And so the pick six was terrible, right? There's just, um, there's no reason yeah. or like defending that. That was just a terrible play. The other one was some kind of miscommunication, which it's always tough to apportion out blame for mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> and you can sort of dismiss them a little bit more regularly, right? It's, it's something broke down overall yeah. in offense. It's not necessarily that Brady is just having bad decisions, but overall his grade was like 83, I think. Um, I, like, I don't yeah, think his best played... throws were past interferences like, yeah, yeah so they don't count statistically right. but they happened so, um, so I, I like I'm, I'm kind of encouraged by week one like I know it wasn't what everybody wanted to see this sort of insane offense putting up a ton of points Brady looking like a superman but like that wasn't a bad performance given yeah you know essentially one system for 20 years and then coming to what couldn't be a more different system in Bruce Arians week one with like this kind of offseason mm-hmm. yeah, and I I still am hesitant to say he's like all the way back. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think, think he's getting think he's, all the way back. I don't think. But, I yeah. just think he's like has decre- declined to a degree. Yeah. And you're never going to see you know MVP level play from him. Mm-hmm. But you might see MVP level play in this game with, like I said, how bad Carolina's defense is. And the scary thing is for Carolina, what I'd be worried about is none of them played well. Like you, you didn't have an encouraging sign from any of those rookies. Derek Brown was the surprising one. Yeah. He got his ass kicked by that Raiders offensive line. So that was worse. I mean, he had two like bad passes, but really did not much else. That was so that grade was kind of funny because like all the way through the draft process, like he was one of the more sort of polarizing prospects. Not because anybody disagreed that he was good, but because the question was how valuable is what he's good at. But like the one given, the one certainty was like Derek Brown will destroy everybody in the run game, you know, and then we'll see what he can do as a pass rusher. And then like week one has a grade in like the twenties against the run, just gets caved off the line. By the what admittedly is a really good Raiders interior, yeah. but that's not a good start. He looked like he lost some weight, but they were playing him at nose tackle, which is uh, not a good combo to lose weight and play nose tackle. And it didn't work out well. So No. So they'll hope he can get back on track in week two. Um, but, otherwise, that's going to look yeah. pretty quickly like an ugly draft pick. Um, all right. Los Angeles Rams, Philadelphia Eagles. Pick them game. Um, pick them, yeah. This is interesting because... The Rams, I think, were pretty encouraging uh, week one. I thought the fact that that offensive line has taken a major step forward, now it's tempered a little bit, but they did a lot to help it. Like, the ball was out of his hands quickly. They were running a lot of quick stuff. They were running screens. Like, But none of that made any difference last year. Like, the offensive line was bad enough that it crippled whatever they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. This year, it at least looks like it can hold up on its own. 
at which point the Rams are immediately a much more dangerous proposition. And they also ran play action of like over 40%. Yeah. Like it was just all boot stuff. So the more intriguing one to me is Philadelphia's offense. Like the Rams offense, I it's not a great Dallas defense. So put up, what did they put up, 20 points during that game? Or what was it, 23? Yeah. That, that was not... That was about what I expected from them. I don't think they're, you're ever going to see that offense from two years ago anytime soon. The Philadelphia offense that everyone said they're fully healthy, besides offensive line, like they, right. they finally got their receivers back. This is Wentz's year. Was not Wentz's game, at least week one, against an admittedly much, much better Washington defense. Can, can he bounce back? Like He gets Lane Johnson back this week. The offensive line pretty much at full strength. Can he be the guy we saw that was, you know, an MVP candidate before he tore his ACL the first time? So uh, that's the in- most interesting matchup. And even though Lane Johnson's back, I still think, I mean, Aaron Donald plays in the interior. It's yes. still going to be an issue for them because that's where they're the weakest, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles right now. So that one's the one to watch is that pressure in Carson Wentz's face. What does he do with that? That to, <clears throat> that to me is the most interesting aspect, right, is how do you slow down Aaron Donald? Because mm-hmm. – I think I tweeted this during the game on Sunday Night Football, that Donald might be the only player in the NFL who can single-handedly put a clock limit on how long you have in the pocket. Like, he will get pressure if you hold on to it long enough. It's just a case of whether you get it out before that and whether he can, or whether you can slow him down long enough to do that. But, you know, a lot of other players will get there a lot of the time, some of the time, most of the time. Donald will get there if you give him enough time. It's crazy watching him rush the passer because – even some of the best rush interior rushers in the NFL, you'll see them get you know, locked up. Yeah. The guys will have their shoulder pads, Never. and then they'll be stuck. That does not happen. There, no one gets his shoulder pads when he's rushing the passer. He's just always working his moves cleanly because he's you know so small and so I mean not so small, but like he's he's a big ass dude, obviously. But like <laughs> he has such a small strike zone comparatively, and he's so quick that you just there's it's impossible to get your hands. You know, he just doesn't let you do that. Yeah. The, so the thing to me that's interesting is like the way I think that you have to slow him down is do it schematically, right? You do, you, the, the, the reason that a guy like Donald or J.J. Watt or any elite pass rusher is not amongst the most valuable players in the NFL in terms of like war, wins above replacement, all those kinds of things is because you can take them away relatively easily from a scheme point of view. Even if you're massively overmatched up front, you can get the ball out of your hands quickly. You can go quick game. You can run away from them. You can do all kinds of stuff that essentially means that he doesn't make an impact in the game. That's mm-hmm. why you get these guys that go, you know, when you're like, Donald is the best player in the NFL by a mile. And everyone's like, he disappeared against whatever. You're like, dude, no. Watch yeah. that game and see what happened. He didn't disappear, and the entire game plan was focused around him not ending it for them, right? Yeah. It's like saying Richard Sherman disappeared that one game against the Packers. When right, where he took away. Yeah, when they just threw left the whole time. It's like, no. Yeah. yeah. So you have to take him away, I think, schematically. The problem with that is, like, Carson Wentz's average depth of target was, like, the bomb last week. He wants to go deep. They wanted to attack down the field with all these speedsters. Like, what they did week one was essentially the opposite of what they need to do in week two to stop Donald from mm-hmm. impacting this game. But that's what they're built to go downfield, though, now. Right. And I so kind of love it. Like, I love their receiving core, but you've got to hit them. Yeah. If you're Carson Wentz, like, he missed a good deal of them last week. But that's why that to, this, to me, is, like, the most interesting area, right? It's, is in theory, the way you stop Donald is by doing mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what the Eagles want to do on offense. And if they don't, Donald is going to, like, live in that backfield and wreck them. Yeah, I think the more worrisome thing, though, to me, Rams against the Eagles defensive line is a 
clear step up. Like the Eagles still yes. dominated like, the Redskins' offensive line last week. They had the highest pass rush grade in the team, NFL. Like, oh gosh, yeah, I'm going to do that a lot. The football team's offensive line last week. I don't think that's going to change against the Rams' sure. offensive line. Um, I'm picking the Rams with this one. I will go with the Eagles. We'll bounce okay. back. All right. Uh, San Francisco, New York Jets. Speaking of bounce backs, this this has got to be a pretty good scenario to get yourself back on track, right? And also, how is this not the biggest line of the week? How is this a seven-point line right now? Right. That's, That's an, overreaction, right? Like, Is it, know. though? Because the Jets look like it. <laughs> no, no, I mean to, to, the, the, to, the, to the 49ers. 49ers. And, yeah, and they don't have Richard Sherman. He's yes. headed to IR. Uh, Ayuk should play, but not necessarily guaranteed to play. And he's a rookie, so don't necessarily know but the jets just look lifeless week yeah. one like that looked like they looked like the worst team in the nfl they're going up against very good bills defense but they looked hapless yeah the, the jets biggest problem is that so the 49ers they're not gonna have richard sherman they might not have akella witherspoon his potential replacements banged up as well like the what is all of a sudden the 49ers biggest area of weakness the jets don't have any way of exploiting because like Denzel Mims on IR, the passing game isn't functioning. Like there's just they don't have any way of attacking it. So yeah. that should let the 49ers just you know stay on track, and they're dramatically better like basically every other area. And also supposedly Mackay Becton's nursing a knee injury. Yeah, going up against Nick Bosa. Yeah, hey, that's I mean that, that was like their lone bright spot was that Mackay Becton really wasn't giving up too much pressure on the blind side. I was going to say, I was kind of impressed by I, that to me looked like a potential mismatch on paper heading into the week, right? Mm-hmm. Mackay Becton, the guy whose biggest question mark is like pass rush and, or yeah, pass that's protection. Right. And at that size, the guys that always scare you the most are the Jerry Hughes style 250 yeah. pound speedsters that went off the edge with, you know, quickness. You went up against Addison Moore, but. Right. But that, I mean, that was where. I was expecting that to be a big sort of potential area of worry, and mm-hmm. it, it didn't That's manifest. Good. Now, yeah. part of it was Buffalo not putting him there, but part of it was he actually held up pretty well. for. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, as you say, week one, gets himself banged up coming out of the game, might not and, be 100% or play. I, I mean, Nick Bosa is also – I don't care if you are 100%. Oh, yeah. He's going <laughs> yeah. to have your hands full. Um, and then, to me, the biggest question mark is, does Jimmy Garoppolo bounce back? Because – that was ugly. Like, that's as bad as Jimmy Garoppolo has played. And yeah. if he plays at that level consistently, the 49ers offense is in trouble. Oh, I mean, 100%. Anyone, you're not going to – it's just missing. Like, yeah. It was just – and you're he's going to make bad decisions too. Like, he didn't make too many bad decisions. And so, like, if he continues to miss like that and then you add in some more bad decisions, this can get really ugly really yeah. quick. So, yeah, he has to get back on track quickly if they're going to – like I said, if they're going to keep their – spot atop the AFC, NFC West that they had last year. Um, I think we both expect that to happen, though, right? The 49ers bounce back. I don't know about necessarily bouncing back Jimmy G, but I expect him to just handle him, at least in the run game. He's going to be better, though. Like, yeah. There's no way he plays at that level last week consistently. Yeah. That was like low-end, low-watermark Jimmy G. Shop local with Visa to help support your community because where you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner shops, our coffee spots, our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going the extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to support your community. 
because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Uh, Buffalo, Miami. Uh, this game's kind of interesting all of a sudden. Like, the mm-hmm. Dolphins are not good, but they've, they've got, like, you know what I mean? They've, they're this weird team where they actually have enough talent and enough schematic now to, like, cause teams problems. Well, they have Fitzmagic. And Fitzmagic. And, I mean, he does a good job of protecting that offensive line, which is easily the biggest issue and why you're not going to start Tua Tagovailoa anytime yeah. soon is because they're not going to give you three seconds to throw. Right. And I think Fitzmagic's like, time to throw is like 2.34 last week, which is very quick. We talked about Rodgers at 2.25, his second fastest of his career. That's every week for Fitzpatrick. It doesn't yeah. matter if you are, if he's playing well, if he's playing like crap. It's coming out of his hand quickly. So he can protect him from that perspective. But uh, the other side of the ball is the somewhat concerning thing their defensive line is just not good and they got ran on hard last week i could i see that probably happening again even though i think their cornerbacks are well built to match up with this buffalo offense it's a great example um fitzpatrick getting the ball out quickly of how quarterbacks can help out their offensive line because coming out of the week um austin jackson their their first round pick a tackle we thought was a bit of a sort of developmental prospect more of a reach in the first round concern maybe about how he'd hold up in pass blocking and it was one of those classic where the guy's stats look great, but his grade wasn't very good, right? So I think didn't allow a pressure in, in pass protection, but he had a grade in like the 50s. So obviously people go, well, what, what's the story? Why, how would he grade in the 50s if he didn't give up any pressure? And when you dive into the, the analysis, he's got like five of those what we call BDs in the system, those defeated blocks, lost blocks in pass blocking. But every time he did it, every time he got beat, out. Fitzpatrick's got the ball out and it doesn't yeah. ever get a chance to become pressure so it's a, it's a great example of how you know a quarterback can essentially mitigate a huge amount of problems up front on the offensive line and make those guys look a lot better overall um the thing that's interesting to me is josh allen the bills offense spread the wealth week one they they didn't you know zero in on any one guy they gave a lot of people um targets i'm curious to see if that is like the game plan going forward and if it is like yeah. i don't know how happy Stefan Diggs is with that, you know? I mean, he, he needs he needs his targets. He yeah, needs. like he – and I think he got nine targets, caught eight of them yeah. this past week, which is – I would say – I think he'll be happy with nine targets. Yeah, game. but I would say that's like on the borderline of where he's happy, you know what I mean? Like I think that guy it wants six double-digit, you know – Tweeting and ambiguous things out there. Yeah, I think that guy wants double-digit targets, number one receiver-style workload every week. Otherwise, he's going to start to get, you know – I mean, I think Josh Allen will be going to him, though. I, yeah. I don't foresee that being an issue anytime soon. My, the interesting thing is how – so they went up against the Jets' secondary last Yes. Time. Not good, objectively. Now you're going up against a Miami secondary, new look, some of the best corners in the NFL. All kinds of money invested. And we, we didn't get to see them last week with what the Patriots' game yeah. plan was. You know, it was 50% of their pass were play action, run heavy, whatever. You, you just didn't get a good handle on what that pass defense is going to look like. Whereas the Bills were one of the past heaviest teams in the NFL, despite you know blowing the Jets out last week, so you're going to get a taste of what this new look Miami cornerback group looks like, and if this new look you know Buffalo receiving core can get the job done, and Josh Allen can feed them. So that, that's the matchup that I'm curious to watch. I have no handle on where it's going to go, yeah. But I do want to actually see uh, how Buffalo. The other thing is that Week One, um, the Bills. So all off season we were saying, look, the thing that Josh Allen, his biggest area of potential growth is if he can just hit a deep ball every now and again. Um, it, the Bills, at least in week one, the plan was, well, let's not hope to get him better at that. Let's just stop taking deep shots. <laughs> like they, they 
had his average depth of target was way lower, and that's where he's been way more efficient, and he was. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious to see if that holds up as a season-long game plan, that the way to fix the inaccuracy down the field is to stop leaning on it and try and get him to just lean on the stuff that he is more efficient at so far. Yeah, he completed 71.7% of his passes, mm-hmm. but then averaged only 6.8 yards per attempt, which right. is those don't those don't jive. Like if you're that if you're completing that many passes, it should usually be a little bit higher than that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by that because mm-hmm. that's not the way that we would have expected Josh Allen to succeed. Yeah. As, with that style was, of quarterback. Yeah, you expected him to be kind of like gosh, he was a quarterback in the past. I'm trying to think just like a like Carson Palmer that one year where it's just yeah. like the ball's heading heading down the field. It's Palmer, like I mean, time. Palmer, Wentz, and Cam Newton are the three guys yeah. that sort of come year. to mind in that style, right? Where mm-hmm. you're you're a little bit less um, efficient down to down than some of these other quarterbacks, but you make it back by the fact that you're more aggressive and you're yeah. you're more you're generally more efficient at the sort of bigger plays. But the the deep ball was his biggest weakness last year, and it seems like an easy area to win. But they're going the other way, which is. I'm not saying it's wrong or, or right. I'm just fascinated mm-hmm. by it. So this line is five and a half for Buffalo. Um, we're both picking the Bills. Are you taking points as well? No, nah, I wouldn't take the points there. Too much unknown with, I guess, both teams with their matchups week one, I'd say. I think that's fair. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. Game Pass has been a fantastic tool for us at PFF for years, and actually you'll be able to hear the, uh, the little montage that we play this show out with on the back end, Game Pass was a big part of that. I was trawling Game Pass for the best sounds, the best sound bites of the week, including all the home team and the away team's radio calls. So you can get some pretty awesome calls by listening to the radio crew in addition to the broadcast version. So it's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, Minnesota, Indianapolis. This is a really interesting, like, overreaction week one. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, two teams. Life that, support. Yeah, Both yeah, teams. two teams. This is, this is why the NFL is so cool, right? You're, you're week one in, on already it's like a must-win must game. Win. <laughs> you go 0-2, having been supposedly, like, one of the contenders in your division. Colts thought they were a quarterback away from, like, a Super Bowl contention. Mm-hmm. The Vikings want to want to get the, into the playoffs every single season. You go in an 0-2 hole right off the bat, and in particular Minnesota, like their schedule is pretty brutal to open the season. They could be in a deep hole really quickly. How do you see this going? I don't really know. Like I, I thought Indianapolis was the much, much better team heading into the season. It was very You um, were bit, you were high on the I them super, right. super Bowl fans <laughs> in the AFC. So yes, I was high on them heading into the season. And, and I still think there's reasons to, to think they can bounce back, but their O-line has to play better than they did against Jacksonville's D-line. Like, And this is a good defensive line without Daniel Hunter to look like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest matchup to me is that they just need to control the ball in that regard, and I think they will. Phillip Rivers can control the ball. The running game has to get going, and I think this is the team to do it against with what they're throwing out on that defensive line for Minnesota. Yeah, to me, the really, I, I'm curious how much of that Vikings defense getting gashed was just Rodgers being completely unplayable. Like, what happens when they play a mortal-looking yeah. quarterback and offense? That that's This is going to be a test of how big a problem that Vikings defense is. Mm-hmm. You know, We said all offseason, on paper, 
it's not good. And anytime you leave yourself, they had a really good draft, but anytime you sort of lead yourself or leave yourself needing to have a really good draft just to stay on, keep your head above water, I think it's a problem because... Well, not the year to play rookies either. You know, yeah, yeah. Of all the years, yeah. And, and even if it was, like just the chances of all of those guys hitting at the same time mm-hmm. year one is just so small. So I think they were always likely to struggle, but I mean, they got eviscerated week one. Now we'll get to find out if that's going to be like an every week occurrence or if they actually have an off a reasonable defense that just ran up against something that was unstoppable. Yeah, they really need to know Hunter back. Yeah, like without him, it's got they had nothing coming at the Packers whatsoever, and we knew the interior was going to be bad. But we thought, you know, the edge they're going to at least get it done after the Ngakwe trade. I I'm not sure they're going to be able to if Ngakwe is going up against Costanzo. I don't think that's you know a, a win for them necessarily. So, yeah, I'd be worried about Minnesota's D. Ngakwe, I think, needs to kind of step up and show that he is the elite pass rusher that he thinks he is, or yeah. that he wants to be seen as. Like he was, he wasn't even beating Elf Jenkins. Right. Like, he was one year back in 2017, mm-hmm. but the the entire defense was on fire that year. Like that guy hasn't been seen since. He's got some reps here and there, but like, again, if you're going to go up against the best players in the NFL and you just get eradicated from the game, that's not great. Um, so this one is minus three Indianapolis. Um, take an Indy and I'll take the points. Is this one of those ones that's just like a hangover from home field advantage stuff? Like minus three in Indy again, like Vikings. This feels like one that it's a pick em, yeah. but it's a, it's in Indy. So we give it the Colts. No, I think that's fair. I still like Indy. I mean, I've obviously I'm way higher on Indy than most people. So yes, I see that line. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. I'm also like, do the Vikings just, they kind of seem to have the same problem as the Seahawks in terms of like, they want to run the ball endlessly. And then like, <laughs> well, was, how many, how many pass attempts Kirk Cousins have at like halftime? Like four or something. <laughs> and one of them was a safety. And the other one was in it was a pick as well. Like it was nuts. You no, know like, we didn't talk about it on the last podcast. I'm going to bring up here because it was the craziest thing I've ever heard. The safe, the safety Jair Alexander was not supposed to be blitzing on that play. Really? Yes. They were playing cover two. He had the flat. He thought it was a run play. And he said he, <laughs> and he, said he he's in the red run from Adam Thielen, right. uh, you know, uh, going in motion, red run, attacked. And then he said he just adjusted and went for the quarterback right wow. after. So he wasn't, it wasn't like he was like deep third. It wasn't going to give up a big play because sure. they were yeah, backing yeah. out to cover two. It's like they had safeties over the top, but it was going to give up. A nice right. gain, twenty yard gain. If they, if uh, he didn't get home, so. that's like that classic Lawrence Taylor story. You know, like what the hell were you doing on that play? He's like, that's not in the playbook. He's like, well, maybe we, maybe we ought to put it in, coach. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was quite. I mean, the fact, game changing sort of play. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's a guy freelancing. But this was wow. like they as soon as they let Kurt off the leash because they were so far down, they had to chase the game. Like I think that's like, where Kirk Cousins thrives, though. But normally Kirk Cousins thrives, has never seen a fourteen yeah, point yeah. deficit that he didn't want to throw for two hundred yards. But normally he does it like it's usually fairly just protect the stats and have a high completion rate and never yeah. really threaten to do anything. But he was airing it out and hitting those deep passes. Like yeah. I know, obviously, there's a certain sort of garbage time element to it, but. Mm. For like the first half, he was like 22nd graded quarterback in the NFL, having basically not thrown the ball. Second half, he was like second to Rodgers, I think, in the in, in PFF grading. Yeah, um, he was the fourth highest grade quarterback this past week. Right. So like, <laughs> again, like the Vikings are one of those teams, you know, where the, the analytics guys, Ben Baldwin, all those guys, mm-hmm. they put up those charts of like neutral situations, run pass, right? And the Vikings are always like the Super. bottom three teams in terms, they will run the ball on first and 10, pretty much every play mm-hmm. and like if you just let 
Kirk Cousins throw the ball, he's good. I, I, there was a big well. There was a question mark. I think this year that like how much of last year was you know an insane season by Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. and how much is that what he is anymore? I this week or I think week one at least showed that he's still capable of playing at that kind of level yeah. if you just take the leash off a little bit. Yeah, no Stefan Diggs to put up what he did was a, a surprise. Yeah, for sure. Um, particularly given like it, it's clearly not an advantageous position, you know, mm-hmm. down in a hole. They know you're passing. Like he wasn't helped out by the fact that he was in a in a rut. Yeah. So I, the Vikings, I think, like the Seahawks, should they need to figure out how much you know reins they want to give Kirk Cousins and let him throw it around a little bit more. Yeah, in this one, I would let him throw because Indy, the way they set up their defense, like they give you completions. Like that yeah. defense will give you easy completions, and Kirk Cousins will take those. So I think there, this is a well set up game for. Kirk Cousins to again have success. Xavier Rose is also game. done. Like that guy, did, no, oh, it's over. It was done last year. I know, but like you know, yeah. maybe new scenario. Get 100 percent healthy. In the, no, he is. He's cooked. Yeah. He's forget it. Um, all right, Atlanta, Dallas, four and a half. Uh, Dallas favorites. My big thing with this one is: can the Falcons cover anybody? Like they, their corners were just yeah toast last week. <laughs> I mean, they're not good. Uh, and AJ on Del Terrell looked not ready for the speed of the game and it's not going to get any easier this week against dallas wide receivers probably the best trio in the nfl yeah the one i the, the matchup i want to watch though is terrence Steele, like and how dak prescott because like i said every time he's had an issue at tackle performance just jumped off a cliff. Right. like that the mental aspect of it knowing that that guy could just blow his block at any given minute and wind up in your lap has made his like i said performance go in the tank over the course of his career now, Dante Fowler rushed more off the right side last week for Atlanta. I would imagine they'll move him to the left side, knowing how favorable that matchup is compared to going up against Tyron Smith. I don't know. And he's also rushed there in the past a yeah. lot. So I think that's what's going to happen. So if that's if Fowler's just given Terrence Steele the business all game long, like I'm interested to see if Dak can still hold up and you know run this offense the way it should be because the rest of that rest of that Falcons defense is not great. Yeah, like. I... <laughs> Just thinking about how bad you need to be on paper where Dante Fowler is the immediate like know, right? X factor mismatch in your favor. God, yeah. The, you're right. I think Dak Prescott is one of the most sort of supporting cast in uh, dependent players in the NFL. Uh, dependent's not the right word. I've been trying to figure out how to phrase this recently, but like correlated. Yeah. Not only and, and it's it's like a force multiplier, right? If it's really good, he becomes MVP Cal, he can look amazing, right? Yeah. But if it's bad, it it like compounds how bad he becomes. Yeah. He doesn't just get worse; he gets way, way, way worse and looks miserable. It's exponentially, yeah. Like correlated. there are f- there are a few <laughs> quarterbacks I think for whom the supporting yeah. cast affects them more in like a more powerful way in both directions. Like there, a lot of quarterbacks are very supporting cast dependent, but they don't like it. Doesn't it just? sort of moves them up and down yeah. by the same sort of damper. Yeah, by the same like difference that the supporting cast is better. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. whereas Dak Prescott it seems to move him by a force greater than the difference of the upgrade on on the supporting cast or the yeah. downgrade. That's uh, I, I completely agree with that and I, I think that's the hold up and it has been the hold yeah. up in a sort of contract negotiations. That's the thing. So this is it's this weird situation where 
I think the Cowboys are right to draw a line in the sand and say this is the amount of money that we're not willing to go yeah. beyond for a guy of your caliber. Mm-hmm. We would love to have you signed up long term. You're a great, you know, as a human being, you're a perfect sort of face of this franchise. We, we would love to have you locked up for the next six years, right? But we've seen enough to know mm-hmm. that we do not want to go beyond this level of money because you're just not that good. Um, the, the problem with that is now... Terrence Steele might actually impact that, but I don't see a way that the deal for them gets cheaper this season. You know what I mean? No, like the longer the they hold out, the more leverage is going towards Dak Prescott, at which point, at some point, you're either going to have to say, you're either just going to have to bite the bullet and do the deal, or you're literally going to put that line in the sand, maybe franchise tag him one, once more, and then you're looking for somebody else. Yeah, and if you're Dak, though, the crazy I, it's crazy to me that it has, has lasted this long with Dak because he can make so much more money being Dallas quarterback yeah, and like not having any issues and being team, just being like Mr. Cowboy, like all in Mr. Team guy, kind of like what Tom Brady was for the Patriots. You'll make a zillion dollars on the other side of that for endorsements and being the most beloved player in Cowboys history sort of thing. Did you see that air shot of his house in Dallas? He's got like his own football field in the garden. Oh, that's sick. Now it's not like a full field. It's, it's not Wouldn't even you like do a, the same if you were? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> like it's not even like a half field. He's like got. That. It's like I don't even know what. So the left hand side starts from like five yards outside the left hash mark, and then yeah. it goes all the way to the sideline, and then it's like up to sixty yards or so or seventy yards. So it's like a, it's a sort of weird snap like aspect ratio snapshot of a field. It's not like a half field or a, or, or a so, quarter or a full yeah, side or whatever. It's some sort of weird. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's a chopped up version of one next like to his like football field yeah next to his like giant house with the pool and stuff like yeah. he's doing pretty well regardless of the contract he's on at the moment um i i like dallas in this i just i still like dallas falcons team was kind of concerning yeah uh, the falcon secondary is very concerning new york giants and chicago bears this is another one that's kind of a big line that not a big line five and a half for the bears um i thought danny dimes looked half decent despite it's a good defense the, like against, wealth yeah. of pressure and Pittsburgh Steelers flying in his face at all consistent points. Like the quick game interception mm-hmm. was, I don't want to say you dismiss it, but you, you know, those happen, right? Yeah. Like the ball has to that's, come out quickly. That's 90% of the time. That's just bad. Down. 95. Right. Maybe even higher than that. It's just bad. down. TJ Watts or TJ Watt reads it well, picks it off. Like yeah. it's a great defensive play more mm-hmm. than it's a bad offensive play. And even, I know that like, the dude he was actually trying to throw to was pretty blanket covered anyway. Like it was going to be problematic, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't kill him too much for that. The other one was ugly. Like, that's just trying to do too much, you know, in the yeah. red zone. But I, I was kind of encouraged by And yeah. he was under pressure 54% of his snaps. Which is nuts. Out of this world. Highest of any quarterback in the NFL, right. by far. And the fact that he looked like people are saying, oh, he looked good. Yeah. Usually, people look like shit when they're under pressure 50% yes. of the time. Like, that is an excuse to just have a... Uh, one of your worst games all season so and zero run game to like help him out you know to extend drives and to keep mm-hmm. doing, like it was everything they did was through him yeah uh the good news for the bears here it looks like robert quinn should be back if you have robert quinn and khalil mack against that offensive line that's gonna be he's gonna be under pressure again yeah. so i think that's why you're looking at a five and a half line is just uh, what their bears are bringing to the table up front i don't think the Jets, giants are going to be able to stop and this is it's probably Mr. Trubisky's easiest test he's going to have all year. This is not a tough defense that, defense that the Giants are throwing out. They have, they're just very young and have no pass rush whatsoever to speak of. So I do think that this is Turbo's time to shine. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, if he can't get it done against the Giants coming off that, mm -hmm. forget it. Um, I don't even, the Giants defense, I don't even understand what they're trying to build. Like most other defenses that are bad and, and in the midst mm -hmm. of a rebuild, you can at least see where it's going. Can yeah. you even see what this team is trying to be? Um, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, they're trying to stop the run. <laughs> yeah, obviously. That's why you trade a fourth for Leonard Williams and then franchise tag him mm. um, and draft no sack on the first round. Who might be their best defensive player at this point. Yeah, I, I love Dexter Lawrence. I, I'm a fan of his. So, But the secondary is just oddly built in that uh, they're not like uh, – there's not like a theme right. to that's, the type of players they have. And, and you think Joe Judge me. is going to play a lot of man coverage, but like has been really James Bradbury's thing over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. Darnay Holmes, I guess, is a slot corner. That's kind of – he's a good man slot corner. Uh, but their safeties are real preppers, Julian Love. Like, I, I, I agree. There's not really a theme to this defense, and I think that's why they don't look it. Yeah, so I've I've bought into the Danny Dimes hype after week one. I've gone with the Giants to win this one. Oh, I'm going to go with the Bears. Okay. I just I, – I think this defense is very good still. I agree. Like, I, I do think it's a very good defense, um, and especially if Robert Quinn's back. Yeah, this is one where the more we talk it out, the less I like the pick that I made. Yeah. But so it's in now. We're, we're done. All right. Washington football team against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, mm -hmm. This is, to me, the story that here is, well, can Washington's defensive line do that again? Like they wrecked the Philadelphia Eagles. Arizona doesn't have a strong offensive line themselves. Like it's teed up for them to have a second week running where they just lay waste to whatever's in front of them and cause all kinds of problems for the opposing offense. Yeah, I, I think this one will actually be somewhat close and low scoring because – I think this defense is for real. Like that's a very good front seven. That's a very good pass rush, and the secondary is rebuilt in a way such that I think you can get good enough results out of them. Ronald Darby has played well at times over the course of his career. Fabian Moreau played excellent in Week One. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Kendall Fuller and Jimmy Moreland, my guy, had a nice uh, play. Was it a pick that I had last week? Or was it was a pass breakup. I can't remember. Um, but so I think this defense is for real. But I also think this offense is not for real like I, I, you're not going to win with this offensive line Jerron Christian West Martin like that left side line you're not going to win with I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games with especially when you have a young quarterback so I'm going to go with Arizona but it's more just because I believe in Kyler Murray far more than Dwayne Haskins at this point the rest of the rosters I'm not sure are too dissimilar Washington had 31 total pressures as a defense, but nobody had nobody in no individual had more than six. Uh -huh. So Jonathan Allen had the team, Montez Sweat, uh, Matt Ioannidis, Chase Young, those guys all had four or more. Like they're getting pressure by a lot of different sources. I think that's a really good thing um, for Ioannidis, maybe the most underrated player in the NFL. Dude, by I love Ioannidis. Yeah, I'm. I that was that was one of my guys back. In the yeah, I know. Temple I remember days. that. Um, tough guy that they kept I, I, he was one of those players you know when you see them in college and then when it gets to like draft time everyone's talking about him as a completely different style player than mm -hmm. the one you the, what you saw like he was being talked up as this like run stuffing defensive lineman like a nose tackle type almost you're like well that's like that's not what he's good at he's good at rushing the passer yeah um, we're nine at temple that's like single digits or what's the deal with number nine at temple yeah they have a single Something digit thing it. don't they yeah like there's a temple few different tough. yeah but yeah he's he's a legit pass rushing he's yeah. i mean that's the ironic thing right they've got all these first round picks all over the defense and matt ionitis yeah, is like every bit the yeah. the pass rusher that they all are yeah, wherever you can get them but now i, I do want to see if isaiah simmons 
looks like yeah. he's ready for the NFL <laughs> this week, like he was practicing at all, um, because awful. About as bad as, like he, horse collar, seventy-six yard touchdown, <laughs> blown coverage at the goal line. The, I mean, the good news for him is that at least like Washington don't have Kyle Shanahan, so there's nobody like yeah. sitting there in a in a tape room with a bullseye all <laughs> over Isaiah Simmons going into week two. Like he at least now has just a you know, a neutral situation to show that he can play defense at the NFL as opposed to a guy, like, actually yeah. targeting him the second he goes out on the field. Because that was the crazy thing, is he didn't actually play that much. 18 snaps. Yeah, like, 18 snaps, and he gave up three at least three plays. major plays, yeah. at least two of which were, like, specifically targeted at him. Uh-huh. Yeah, the um, touchdowns were, they looked at him. That right. Was like a trips formation that he just did not recognize right so i mean i doubt washington does that i just i can't mm-hmm. see them focusing on one individual player that much but you know that so he's at least got a shot to just hide in the defense and show that he can play the same way as everybody else but that was a pretty ugly opening for him shop local with visa to help support your community because where you shop matters visa everywhere you want to be now more than ever it's important to show support for your team and your community Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our community. Because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember... Tap to pay with a contactless visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your local community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. Um, Kansas City. Oh, who you? I got Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Yep. Um, Kansas City at the Los Angeles Chargers. So this is a huge line. 8.5 points. Um, obviously, Chiefs favored. To me, the story of this is, look, the Chargers have a good team top to bottom, right? The mm-hmm. roster is good. But the Chiefs are unstoppable. They have, like, the best offense in the NFL, best quarterback in the NFL, and elite speeds to receiver. They just get – everything is so good. The defense is playing pretty well as well. This, to me, is, like, if you don't have a specific style of offense that is designed to give you a shot in this game, they are going to get annihilated. Yeah, I wrote in my notes here, how do the Chargers score points? Because, to, I mean, to beat the Chiefs, yeah. you're going to have to score around 30. That's yeah. just what or, Patrick Holmes one game in his career they didn't they right. didn't score twenty four. Yeah, the the other way I agree with you. Generally speaking, you're gonna have to do that. The thing though, the way that they win this game, if there's a way, mm-hmm. um, is to I think roll in there with like a Baltimore Ravens style of offense, right? And have Tyra Taylor as a huge part of the run game and to try and chew the clock. And there was a there was a you know, you know the sound effects thing. Mark Ingram was was mic'd up and there was a, a drive where just before halftime, or not even just before halftime, second quarter Baltimore gets the ball, and they got it. They, the return man let it bounce. The punt bounce, bounced inside the one, 99 yards to go. Mm-hmm. And the second that happened, Ingram's on the sideline. He's like, all right, 99 yards, we're going to take up the whole quarter. <laughs> and they pretty much did. Like, they went 99 yards. It took them until the two-minute warning, I think, to get the, the score. And so they were, you know, you said it, 99 yards, one yard at a time, or one play at a time. That is how the Chargers basically need yeah. to do it against the Chiefs. You need to go out there with that style of offense, which gives you an extra man in the run game, and you need to chew up yeah. giant right. swathes of clock and keep the Chiefs on the sideline. And at that point, all, you, all you're looking for from your defense is sometime in the 60 minutes, give me a stop. 
just just one. Mm-hmm. If they score like in three plays every other time, fine. And we'll try and chew up the clock on the other side and then just give me one stop somewhere. I, I think the Chargers are about as equipped as anyone in the NFL to slow this Chiefs offense. Yeah. But there's no like stopping the no. Chiefs offense. So slowing them, like I said, you, you need the offensive side of the ball. That's the one that I just can't see them even come close to going blow for blow. Like I said, you have to, they have to get Tyra Taylor, Taylor involved yeah. in the running game in this one. The worrisome aspect of the Chargers off defense, though, Kenneth Murray. This was 41.5 grade week one, looked lost. That was not uncommon for linebackers. I, I think of any position in the NFL, they suffered. got screwed right. by no preseason because you have so much that's just so different from what you see in college, and the comfort in the scheme is so important to playing linebacker position. You just need to see different things before you're before you know how to react to them if it, all this stuff is brand new for them usually in preseason they would be figuring this out yeah they're figuring it out on the fly now so right. a lot of a lot of rookie linebackers were bad 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 we saw i forget the kid's name the guy in hard even patrick queen isaiah simmons yeah, all these yeah. guys have been bad out the, 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 the kid's name on hard knocks who was like i'm making you know two mistakes every practice session yeah like, johnson yeah, yeah johnson and that's you know, he was on the call, and they were like, oh, how's it going? You were expecting him to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm making a mistake every now and again. He's like, I'm making, like, two a, two a <laughs> practice session, and he's yeah. not getting all the reps. Like, yeah. So, yeah, those guys are suffering. But to me, like, there's no point in having Tyra Taylor as your quarterback if you're not going to, like, if this if this game plan looks the same as last week's, what yeah. like, what is he bringing to the table other yeah. than, like, a guy that's got a bit of veteran experience? Like, if you're not going to lean into the fact that he can do different things – and come up with an offense. Like the Browns didn't right. Do it come up with an offense that's actually like specifically geared to yes. slow down the Chiefs. You're just wasting everybody's time having him as a starting quarterback. Yeah. So that's if like I'm going to turn on this game, and if like the first drive is the same offense that they had last week, I'm not even watching the rest. I'm turning it off in disgust <laughs> that the Chargers did nothing to try and like live with Kansas City. Yeah. If if you're trying to say. Hey Tyrod Taylor, drop back to pass. We're gonna, you're gonna beat right. Patrick Mahomes this what week. What is the point? It's <laughs> you miscalculated. <laughs> you know, like you, that, yeah, that would just you be, ended your chances right then and there. If that happens, like not only are they covering the point spread, they're gonna just wreck it. Like that's gonna be an yeah. absolute train wreck. Um, we're both picking Kansas City, right? We don't yep. actually think that's gonna happen. Baltimore, Houston. Um, I'm curious to see. This is kind of like the Vikings defense, but in reverse. Like, what happens when the Baltimore defense goes up against a quarterback that isn't Baker Mayfield in the Browns offense? Like, how much of it was just that that offense was already in a mess before mm-hmm. they got there and they just stomped on all the pieces? And how much is, like, that's what they can do to teams? Yeah, I, I'm i more intrigued by the Texans offense because they they have the pieces. Like, yeah. they, they, losing DeAndre Hopkins – Yes, he's great, but you still have a good receiving core. Mm-hmm. Like you still have Brandon Cooks, you still have Will Fuller. You have speed there. They didn't utilize that speed whatsoever. Week one, that you, I thought you know the game plan was going to be max protect downfield. Sean Watson very accurate down the football field. That is you know where he can win. They didn't target down the football field whatsoever yeah. in week one. That has to change. Like Baltimore does not have a great pass rush you will have time if you do some play action mass protect you know uh plays they just need more big plays because this is not an offense built to sort of dink and dunk on you those aren't the type of receivers they have this is an offense built to go over the top to me like i i was 
kind of a proponent of the idea before the season that losing DeAndre Hopkins might actually make Deshaun Watson a better quarterback down the road. The because, Stafford yeah, yeah. theory. The idea that you force yeah. him to sort of become a, a more – you force him to be a better fundamental quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Processing, finding the open guy rather than just whenever the hell I'm in doubt, I'm throwing it his direction, he'll probably come down with it. Um, I still think there's a chance that comes true, but judging by week one, it's going to take some time. Like he's just – he doesn't have the comfort yet. Mm-hmm. Like he had comfort level with Deshaun or with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and you knew what was going on. Now, like you can see the the cogs spinning in his head when mm-hmm. things start to break down. Like he just doesn't have the comfort yet in terms of where he's going with the ball. I and I don't think I I don't think that's going to happen in week like in a week. Right? It's going to take yeah. him a while to adjust to that. And you're also going up against Baltimore defense. Exactly. Yeah, Again, which isn't going to help. Not the one. Not a great one to be trying to adjust early on in the Correct. season again so yeah I, I don't another one it's a seven point line i just I, houston's gonna have to look vastly different than what we saw a week ago yeah. to have a chance in this one deshaun watson is one of those quarterbacks that i just hate betting against with a seven point line but he, I, well i mean because what he's that was only a second loss by right double digit or by more than one score in his career but like again the, the ravens dude they are i think cheat up to be a juggernaut this season the same way they were last year like i just i don't see this team slowing down they're gonna roll most people they play all right last game of the week monday night football the new orleans saints at the las vegas raiders home debut for the the new vegas stadium nobody in it but home debut for it yes and steve palzolo couldn't be here gave me a great stat for this one and we talked about it kind of give me shit did Derek carr he, he needed a little prep did Derek carr uh the, you we had that debate on the the earlier pod this week about yeah. did, did Henry Ruggs change yeah. him? And early in the game, they had, they schemed up the shots to Ruggs. The, on the scripted plays, first fifteen, mm-hmm. Derek Carr's average depth of target was seventeen point four yards down the field. On the plays after that, it was three point nine yards down the oh. field. <laughs> so they where, scripted. Where did Ruggs get into. hurt? How how far into that? I can't remember exactly. But so the scripted wise, yeah, it changed him. Okay, but then. The zebra didn't change right. the stripes yeah, too yeah. much. Came back. You can't, you, can, you can't take the Derek Carr out of the offense for that long. So that's just interesting to me. You're going to have to attack down the field against this New Orleans defense. They're they just are too they're too good. Yeah. Pretty much every level of the football field. You're going to have to get some big plays if you want to stay in this one. I'm, I'm now fascinated by whether Derek Carr is the more aggressive downfield passer in this game. Yes, Derek Actually. Carr. Who does not want to go downfield unless you like force him to with the with the scripted play? Yeah. That we, this is the play. Go downfield. He's not going downfield. And then you've got Drew Brees on the other side, who I'm sure would love to push the ball down the field, but just has no faith that his noodle arm can get it there anymore. Yeah. And no Michael Thomas this week either. Yes. So, and and that's like how they live in that short passing game is because Alan Kamara makes plays after the catch. Michael Thomas is always open underneath. You don't have you take away that guy that you right. just rely on underneath I, six and a half. I, I could see the, the Raiders, you know, home opener. Now there's no fans, but having a little like juice for that, I could see them staying in this one. It's funny, like the, when you watch that Saints game, the, the breeze was so bad that it's like so concerning, and yet they put up a ton of points. Now, granted, mm-hmm. one of those was a pick six, but like they still had success. Like it's not like the offense you know, put up nine points was a complete disaster and has no shot. Like they were still functional and still moving the ball against what should be a pretty good defense. It's just like Breeze just looks so awful. Um, I think it sort of spoke to how good Sean Payton is. Like you could see mm-hmm. him scheming up things 
you know, free plays for Kamara, all those kinds of things, that even if Breeze becomes completely non-viable, which I don't think will happen, like, they're still going to get mm-hmm. – there's still plenty of juice in this offense just from the scheme. And, and they have talent. At, right. Know, at running back. But that starts well. to get eroded yeah. with, you know, when Michael Thomas isn't there and, you know, you start to chip yeah. away at these things piece by piece. I think even like, even with just five random stooges in there, like, there's there's juice in this system just because McVay knows what he's doing. Or not McVay, Peyton knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be close, but I'm still going to roll with New Orleans. In yeah, this. same. I, I'm picking New Orleans as well. We did it, Mike. We got through the full slate. Uh, we're going to play people out with a little uh, little bit of montage of the first week of, of action, a little Ooh. bit of music, a little bit of sounds from, from week one. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have time to try and do that each week. But this has been the full 16, 16 games of action, week one in the books, week two coming up. You looking forward to it, Mike? Oh, I'm be out at Holy Grail downtown tonight <laughs> watching that. I might wear my uh, John Dorsey outfit. We'll oh, see. Oh, nice. Yeah, you should definitely do that. That's, that's, that's a winner. Um, hopefully, the uh, Mr. Palazzolo will be back in the building on Monday, having gotten a clean, clean yeah, bill of health. Get tested. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Take it easy. She calls me from the cold. And we are officially underway. And off we go. The 2020 NFL season is underway. Bring your energy. Bring your big boy pack. It's a beautiful day for some football. I hear Baltimore manly. Third down and goal. Over the middle, and that will be caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. Here we go. They were down 24 nothing, so 7 nothing didn't bother these. A pick six. Second interception thrown by Brady in the game. And this one leads directly to a score as Jenkins is able to walk it home. Tom Brady's debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and an 11-point loss. Fakes motion to the left. Rodgers fakes the handoff to Jones. Bootleg to his right. Stops, looks, throws, end zone. Diving grab. Lazard. Touchdown! Alan Lazard! They beat Mike Hughes. A tracer at point-blank range from Aaron Rodgers. A four-yard touchdown pass. Shop local with Visa to help support your community because where you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Now, more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our community because they know that where you shop matters. Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your local community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. Game Pass has been a fantastic tool for us at PFF for years, and actually you'll be able to hear 
the uh, the little montage that we play this show out with on the back end. Game Pass was a big part of that. I was trawling Game Pass for the best sounds, the best sound bites of the week, including all the home team and the away team's radio calls. You can get some pretty awesome calls by listening to the radio crew in addition to the broadcast version. So it's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. Go to nfl.com slash game pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops.